you know, whenever I don't think fully healed, it always can come back in little ways and it's just being conscious and aware on a different level. Reprogram, talk to yourself, do what needs to be done to get you back in, in sync with your like highest self. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back to another process episode, which is where we showcase one of our pathway members who have gone on to manifest something extraordinary or big within their life. May it be career, home, relationship, financial. This has become one of your favorite podcast segments that we have, as we can tell by the numbers. And one commonality that I want to make that you'll begin to recognize each of these pathway members share in common from past episodes to new is that not one of them simply dipped their feet into the work or flirted with it. They went all in. I've been able to see this recently with my dad who's doing the work. They sort of touch in, don't really do the DIs, do it once in a while, skip around the workshops without finishing them. Whereas what you'll listen to with each of these episodes, these are the people that started with how to manifest, moved into shadow, moved into inner child, did all of the workshops, listened to every one of the supported classes, which is our once a month class where Jessica and I go through in the pathway answering members' questions. And then they've gone on to listen to every podcast episode. That's what you will hear from each of the pathway members that we share on this. And not because we're only picking people who do that, the ones who actually manifest the big things, they go all in. And not only that, but once they've gone through the work, and they get a baseline of it, they make it their own. So a past guest, Heather Whitaker, you heard that in the deep imaginings, she started out with them, listening to them, and they weren't as effective to her. So she figured out her own process that when she walks on hikes, she talks the prompts aloud. So she'll listen to them in her earbuds. Once she's heard the prompts, she then goes and talks out what's been prompted until she gets to the block, and then she reprograms it. And you have to imagine, even as you're walking and listening, you're in a hypnotic state because your brain, your conscious mind isn't flying around. You've now gone into an alpha or a theta. So 
That's what you'll also find in commonality with these members. They make it their own. They don't stop when they get a roadblock. They actually figure out their own way through it. Today will be no exception. So I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Jessica Gill, who you've heard on the Explained episodes and the Process episodes, as she highlights another really exciting member within the pathway and how they've gone on to manifest something extraordinary. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Expanded. We have another incredible process episode for you today with Megan. So Megan has manifested so much. She's been doing the work for about two years now, and she manifested a bridge job, a dog, a move for $500 from San Francisco to Colorado, her dream loft, a bicycle to get around, another bridge job, her engagement, and her biggest manifestation yet, her fully aligned passion and career, which she didn't have clarity on for a really long time, and a storefront that she's finally able to make her dream a reality. So I wrote on my Instagram a couple weeks ago, like what were the energetics of coming up for everyone? What are you all feeling? And one huge theme was rock bottom or feeling like the rug was pulled out from under you. You weren't sure where your grounding and your footing was and how are you gonna navigate next steps? Whether it was health, career, relationship, just societal, the world, the news, there's a million things going on. And in Megan's episode today, you're going to hear how A, the rock bottom led her to the work, but how she also navigated when she faced moments that felt like the rug was getting pulled out from under her. And she really highlights the energetic of deservingness and how leaning into that trust and leaning into that deservingness and passing those microscopic tests help bolster our trust muscle in order to connect with our manifestation. She also really highlights how to view your perspective as constantly co-creating with the universe and what that will look like, what will present, what will come forward to you, and how you can make the most of those opportunities and tests in order to help align better with who you truly are. She gives tons of practical tips, tons of insight, and really helps to be a vision holder of how to navigate transitional periods and know that you are worth so much more than you even give yourself credit for. It's also such a huge testament of how doing the deep imagining work can really change your neural processes and thus change the world around you. I know you guys are gonna love this one. There's so many tidbits. I was so excited even listening back in the edit. It was fantastic. So I hope you guys enjoy. And without further ado, here is the episode. so excited to have you on. Your story is so fascinating. Your list of everything that you've manifested was so impressive and just how you navigated the work really stood out to us as well. So I'm so excited to share this. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to kind of share my story and hopefully help other people who are on their own journey right now. Absolutely. So I'm sure as you know, in the podcast, what is your sun, moon and rising sign? Yeah, I'm a Gemini sun, Libra moon, and a Sag rising. 
And how do you feel that presents for you? Or what parts of that do you feel like resonate the most? I think all of it is pretty accurate. My Sag <laughs> rising, I've been like leaning into a lot more. I feel like it's very um, predominant lately, especially with the way I like carry myself and like my fashion and the way I dress. And then my Libra moon is super accurate as well. I think behind closed doors, I'm very more like sensitive and just in tune with myself. And tell us about your cultural background and upbringing. Yeah, so I was born in the States and the first one in my family that was born here in the United States. My two older sisters were born in Canada and um, my mother was born in India. So kind of an interesting upbringing. I felt for a really long time that I wasn't allowed to embrace my Indian heritage because it was when England colonized India that my mom was living there. So I have like this really weird culmination of like we'd spend the whole summers in Canada and every Sunday like we'd have family dinners and it'd be like curry and dal and my grandma would make this cucumber like yogurt salad that was also really I don't know like the specific name for it but I just grew up eating like that and then like the next day she'd make a shepherd's pie so (laughs) so I struggled with that I think a lot growing up and like didn't really understand it And now I just like kind of lean into it more. And I'm like, if I'm feeling to that side of my family or that side of my ancestry, I'm just going to go with it. I think that's so cool that you can, you know, like this day and age, we can look up more of our ancestry. People, I feel like, are more excited to know what their heritage is and look more into what were the rituals and traditions of this culture and, you know, what can I bring into my daily life to honor that and also celebrate that and incorporate into whatever you're doing now instead of having to hide that and really celebrate it more. Yeah, exactly. And I think also like for a long time, because I grew up in South Florida, you have like this such a melting pot of people. And it was mostly Hispanics and Caribbean like uh, culture there. And so here I was and I was neither of those things. And I also didn't embrace my Indian culture enough growing up. Like my mom didn't embrace it enough. And for the longest time, I remember her always denying being born there. And I don't know why I remember that. But as I got older, I started to like ask her about it. She's like, I never denied it. I'm like, yeah, you did. (laughs) So it's just interesting. Like, and then when I took, you know, my ancestry tests and stuff and like seeing it came back like 27% Indian, it just kind of like give you that like little bit of like validation that you didn't have growing up younger and stuff. And, you know, when people ask me what I am now, I can say with confidence, like who I am and feel confident about it and not have to feel like any type of way kind of, and just kind of embrace it more. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting too. One of my best friends is Indian and her family was the first generation who came over and they're very traditional, had an arranged marriage and they kind of were a little bit more lenient on her and not necessarily encouraging the arranged marriage, but just kind of pressuring her to get married sooner. And it's interesting hearing from her perspective how the culture shifts as generations come to America and how do they keep trying to honor the culture and how does that next generation of kids that grow up first generation here navigate that while still honoring their family and the traditions with also sort of like having to assimilate too. And I think it's so interesting because my grandparents were English in an English territory, quote unquote. I actually grew up very Catholic So they were Catholic in India and um, my mom was born in Calcutta. 
And so it's just like funny how even then, like, even though they were religious and Catholic, but like still were influenced by the food and the culture from India and other ways and how that was like brought to me and like my family. And it's like one of our favorite dishes now that like my mom and my dad cook for us. It's always been, but it's just like interesting in that sense too. So I was brought up very Catholic. My grandparents are very Catholic and my dad's kind of like atheist. He doesn't believe in anything. So when my parents had us as kids, they, my dad kind of said, if you want to raise him Catholic, then raise him Catholic because I don't really care. So I was, you know, forced to go to CCD classes and I was forced to get communed and baptized and I got confirmed in high school as well. So yeah, I grew up very Catholic, but didn't, nothing was pushed on us. Like we only went to church on holidays, like Christmas. And then once we got to high school, we were only going to church on Christmas, not Easter, not anything else, like just Christmas, midnight mass. And like, that was it. And then once we got even older, we were like, we don't want to go. I fall asleep every time I'm in there. (laughs) And it was nice because my mom like understood she was raised very Catholic, but I don't think she herself has a lot of like Catholic views and just a lot from that kind of upbringing herself. So looking at your list that you have manifested, switching gears a bit, you got engaged and that wasn't physically on your list, but something that you definitely wanted. You moved out of San Francisco, a move that cost under $500, your dream loft with gorgeous Florida ceiling windows and all the amenities. You left your corporate job of what you were unsure of. And then you manifested one of your biggest things, which is your shop, which is incredible. A bike, a dog, best friend. Oh, so cute. Your laptop, bridge job, community of spiritual and conscious women. I mean, so much. And again, obviously the biggest one being the storefront as well, which is like such huge manifestation and career shift too. Walk us back through how this all came through when you started the work, how you discovered TBM. Give us the whole lowdown. Yeah. So my sister and me both kind of started around the same time. So that was really nice to just have someone to talk to about it when I felt frustrated or felt like a trigger or something like I could like voice note her and explain to her and she'd be like, you need to go back and like do a DI or, you know, something like that. So it was just nice to have someone to bounce that off of. And I know that's kind of why like the pathway was built and stuff like that so that people can all have that same thing. So I was very fortunate with that. So I started in like July of 2019 and just like tiptoeing into it. I was still like stuck in a lot of my old patterns and, you know, like wanted to change. But let's be honest, it's so hard to change because it's scary and it's uncomfortable. It's just hard. So then in August, not even a full month or maybe it was exactly a full month, which is even weirder of me starting the work. I um, was riding my bike to school and a car hit me. And I uh, broke my collarbone and that was kind of rock bottom for me. I was out of work for eight weeks. I couldn't wash my hair. I couldn't change myself. I just felt like really pathetic. And, you know, my partner, she was still going to work. You know, she had to take on all the bills at that point. So it was just really hard for me. I just used that as a time to like really dive in. And the universe kind of just made everything happen for me. So that happened. And I tried to look at it as like a blessing instead to have eight weeks devoted to like myself and you know, friendships fell away because I was like injured and I couldn't go out and I couldn't party and no one actually came to visit me. So that was like really hard for me to kind of deal with. But then like after I got through that, I was like, you know what, those are friendships that like on the surface level are amazing. And people I still talk to, not all the time, but you know, who congratulated me on my store and who have supported me 
when I was starting this and like bought things for me that like I'll always have love for. They were such a big part of my journey, but those relationships like fell away. You know, I started doing the work and then I manifested while I was injured my bridge job at the plant store. And that was like, I was so excited. And of course I wasn't getting paid as well as my corporate job. So it was hard, but I was getting paid enough and doing something that meant more to me. So I got that. I went to their grand opening and I asked for a job and I had an interview the next day and kind of got hired on the spot. So that was just incredible and super expanding. And the owner was just super expanding to me. He's a guy who is also queer and he did not, I don't believe he graduated high school even, or if he did, he barely did. And he didn't go to college. And here he is and has two successful stores in one of the most expensive cities in the U.S. And he was doing really, really well for himself. And he's also part of the LGBTQ community. And he's also part of the minority and, you know, of of color. So that was, that was huge as well. Just a super expander for me. So I started working with him. I was so excited, but it just turned out that he actually was like a huge trigger for me on the daily. Whether that was me triggering him or him triggering me, it was a constant thing. Like I had my first anxiety attack working for him. I had my first panic attack working for him. And I would come home, I think like almost every day, either crying or like having work to do on myself because it was just so intense, our relationship. And I think sometimes too, when let's say a person turns out to be really triggering or toxic, or we have to eventually realize we need to set a boundary and maybe move them out of our lives or move away from them, whatever it may be. Sometimes people discredit them as expanders. They're like, oh no, I thought they were, but they're totally not because of X, Y, Z. But I love how even, you know, full circle later looking back, you're like, he still 100% was an expander. He was an expander in a test because he's triggering you in all of these other ways and ways for you to sort of level up and grow your authenticity and figure out what you need to work on, giving you sort of a mirror to look at what you need to work on. But he still is an expander. And so it's not to say that you should engage with toxic expanders, But take what you will from the people that are surrounding you or in your life in that moment. And if they present, you could look at them to their expansion and wow, okay, it's possible to do this. And then as as they present even more and they're like, okay, this person might be not aligned with me or, you know, I actually need space from this person, then you can set your boundaries and move on, but still soak up the expansion that this person was able to do X, Y, Z. Exactly. And I think like people forget that at the end of the day, like, yeah, it might have been toxic and it was definitely unhealthy. But at the end of the day, perspective is everything. And you can really change your perspective and really learn something from any experience you're in. And it took me a long time to get there with him. And, you know, I have so much love for him still because of the lessons I learned through him and like where I am now. And I can't say I would be here now if it wasn't for him. So I like just have so much gratitude for that time in my life and just being faced with those every day as hard as it was. My manifestations could have come in so much slower if I wasn't forced to look at like those triggers and those blocks and those patterns every single day for 40 plus hours a week like I was. I think the biggest dynamic is that I'm not sure for him what it was, but I've always had a way of like speaking my mind and like asking why which is like really annoying to some people but like I'm just a very curious person I think that's like my Gemini trait is like I just like always want to know why like why if he tells me to do something like this okay but why why do I need to do it like that like what's the thing or 
tells me to do something like, well, it actually makes more sense this way. And I was just, I think some people themselves have trouble with that as well, right? Like someone telling them what to do or like questioning them when they're in a power, when they're in the, the position of authority and someone comes in and they're like questioning them. They're like, who the hell are you to question me? And so I think I just triggered him a lot as well. So it was just constantly back and forth, but it was just kind of a power struggle. And it was just also me just never like, I like never like to back down from anything. I wouldn't say I'm confrontational, but if someone like comes to me about something, I think I'm way better about it now just because I don't let my emotions get involved. And I'm like really good at not taking things personally, uh, which was one of the huge, like biggest lessons with him was to not take things personally. Nothing's about me. You know, it says more about someone else, how they react to you and how they treat you than it does about yourself, right? And that's a huge lesson that I've learned in TBM is like your self-worth has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and who they are. And so I think that was like my biggest takeaway was just really not taking things personal, not reacting from an emotional place at all, no matter like what happened. And of course, like sometimes I would like fail that test, right? And I would overreact and react from an emotional place and then like I would go home and be like fuck like I should not have reacted that way and then just like learning learning from that and also just realizing that he was a huge pattern that was replaying in my life through the relationship I had with my dad growing up and it was like playing out in my careers with these other I think male authority figures and like not feeling good enough and like needing their validation to feel like I was good enough or I was doing a good enough job it was like a huge like like epiphany. It all kind of clicked together one day. And I think too, you know, for other people who probably struggle with this similar dynamic, when you're looking for, let's say that validation from a parent and you don't get it in the way that you wanted it. And maybe you're still somewhat looking to that parent for the validation as an adult, but oftentimes we kind of almost stop trying to get that validation from them and we project that validation onto a partner or a boss or, you know, a a person of authority in our lives. And so now the role of, okay, well, I need the validation from this person of authority, in this case, it was your boss, any perceived slight or feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough, or he doesn't think I didn't do this good enough, or I'm not capable of doing this, is going to hurt so freaking bad. (laughs) Because you're like, wow, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I'm not good enough. And he just told me why. And therein lies our triggers coming up. And so it's taking that pause and going through like the TBM work and the journaling and the DIs to separate and be like, whoa, this was a trigger and so painful because I needed this from him. And I thought by him doing this, he was saying that he couldn't give me that validation. But then you are like, holy shit, this is all my stuff. Okay, <laughs> I get it. He he did give me the validation, but you know it didn't come in the way that he wanted. And maybe he doesn't know how to give that to me. And this is not my dad. So wow, okay, so many dynamics. What kind of work were you looking towards as support during that time? Like what workshops did you look at? What DIs were you working through? How were you navigating when you were just being hit with all of these triggers? I did DIs probably regularly. So instead of like waking up and meditating, which I try and do regularly, not that I always can, I would do a DI. Or I wouldn't do anything in the morning. I'd get home 
from work and I would do a DI because of how I felt triggered that day. And I kept voice notes in my phone and I kept notes in my phone when I felt triggered, even if it was something so small. But just so I could go back and reflect at the end of each day and be like, okay, he called me a liar. Why was I so triggered by that? And like, I would take that back and be like, okay, because when I was younger, um, my dad never believed me. Everything was always my fault. So a lot of the patterns and blocks I had to work through was victim mentality, a huge one. And still to this day, it still resurfaces and I have to catch myself and be like, holy shit, this is victim mentality coming back again because you know, whenever I don't think fully healed, it always can come back in little ways. And it's just being conscious and aware on a different level and being able to like reprogram, talk to yourself, do what needs to be done to get you back in in sync with your like highest self. Totally. Yeah. I did so many DIs. Um, I don't really think I did a lot of um, actual workshops during this time because I was just so triggered on the daily that I would just take myself through DIs whenever I needed them. I think that's such a a powerful remedy too, because there's a couple of months whenever either I feel like stagnant in my manifestation process, or maybe just a lot of emotional, I'm needing like support. I will take a trigger every single day through a DI for like a month straight, like 30 days of just DI trigger, boom, 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 just focus on that. And usually it's like maybe two or three themes tops but they're presenting in different ways. Like it's the same sort of dynamic, but it's presenting different ways. And so if you do it for, let's say 30 days in a row, right? Really commit to, I'm gonna work through every single trigger that pops up for 30 days in a row. And this is sort of what we do with like the magnetism challenge after you go through how to manifest. But when you can look at, okay, what is presenting to me right now? And how can I hit this from every separate angle where the universe is sort of testing me and triggering me? You can make so much progress so quickly because it's like, boom, let's go through it every day, every day, every day. And you're you're processing so much neurologically and creating all of these new neural pathways, but in the same theme for such a short period of time that it, for me at least, it superseded my manifestations after I did that. Same. And I think that's why I kind of manifested a, a whole lot really quick was because, like I said, even though it was toxic and I don't wish that kind of relationship upon anyone, I was forced every single day for a year to face my triggers. And so I was doing the DIs like at least five times a week, at least five times a week. And like you said, it just really, I think, reprogrammed my subconscious and really helped me to like get clarity on like where all this stuff was coming from. It was such a huge realization when you like realize all this and that I was living with this victim mentality, like in everything in my life and even in my jobs, like, oh, you know, he doesn't think I'm good enough or, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job or, oh, he's always picking on me. Like X, Y, and Z didn't do their job, but it's my fault. You know, everything was my fault. Everything was because of me. And so like, that was a huge, huge thing I had to work with. And that was from my inner child, my little sister being born after me five years later. And I just had a very different dynamic with my father than everyone else did. And, you know, when my sisters listen to this or whenever I talk to them about it, their relationship with him was not the same as mine and their experience was growing up was not the same as mine. And, you know, that can be really misconstrued in, in families, especially with siblings, thinking that you all have the same experience growing up and you absolutely do not. So I had to really like work through that. And I, it was something I had to internalize as well that I couldn't speak out because my sister was one of the 
biggest people when I was doing TBN that I would turn to and I like really couldn't about this. So I just like really realized that my relationship with my dad was very toxic growing up. And so I was playing that victim mentality out so much in my adult life. Like nothing goes my way. And of course, everything happens to me and boo hoo, just like always. And it was so liberating to finish that. Yeah. And I think, too, when you have that sibling dynamic where one parent, your dynamic is not great, and then you have siblings who their memory or their experience was positive, it can feel really invalidating because you want to turn to your siblings because they're the only other ones that were there and be like, wasn't that really fucked up or wasn't that really messed up or did I not like you know what it wasn't he rude in this situation or whatever and then for the sibling to sit there and say no that that actually really wasn't my experience or like no this parent was amazing you almost kind of felt gaslit and it's not that they're trying to gaslight you on purpose or anything like that because that truly was their experience but there's so much self-validation you need to give yourself in those moments when the family maybe didn't experience the dynamic the same way you did to really say, okay, they had this experience and they thought it was positive, but that doesn't mean that mine was or has to be. And I have to figure out a way to validate myself and my experience and not need anyone else to acknowledge that because I have to be able to give that to myself for my own well-being. Yeah. And it's just so funny. And like, even if their experience to them wasn't positive, just how different the dynamics can be and how different everyone's experience can be within the same group of people. Yeah. So just like having grace with myself and having compassion with myself and knowing that this is my story and I don't need anyone to validate my story and to say like, yes, this happened or no, this didn't happen. Um, And it took me a long time to get to that place to be like, no, this is my story. I'm owning my story. It's not controlling me anymore. And I don't care if that's not your story. I'm one of three sisters. So I do care what your story is. But within my own healing, I don't need your validation or reassurance whether or not like this actually happened. Ugh, it's so powerful when you can sort of shift that, reframe that and give it to yourself. And just for anyone out there who's like, how the hell am I going to give that to myself? When you give yourself space to sit with yourself and really figure out how you need to be nurtured and step by step, just keep showing up for yourself, especially when you're doing that neural reprogramming piece, it just starts to come naturally. Like you intuitively know what you want. You start to build a relationship to yourself and be able to be your biggest advocate and biggest supporter in ways that you didn't even know were possible before. So it's so cool when that stuff happens. Yeah, it's super empowering. And now my dad and I's relationship is so much different. They live here in Colorado. I see them weekly, if not more. And yeah, and it's just had a total like 180. And, you know, without like giving too much of his personal like life away, he cried to me the other a couple weeks ago and basically let me know about his generational trauma that he went through. And It was so enlightening to hear that and generational trauma is such a real thing that a lot of us don't even know about, but you know, like being treated one way because someone treated them that way and that's all they know. And again, it comes to like triggers and not having the tools that we need to heal and to grow into like the authentic person that we're meant to be. And just hearing him like tell me that story just like made me have so much more love for him and like forgiveness, you know, while I had a lot of pain growing up and 
lot of hardships and pain and not the same hardships from, you know, everyone else. It just made me realize that he went through a lot of the stuff I went through and it just made me like really have a soft spot for him and just realize that it's not his fault either, you know? That's so beautiful that you were able to have that experience with him. I never thought I would, to be honest, but it kind of just happened and I'm so grateful for it because, you know, a lot of the times if you question, you know, why parents like treated you a certain way or why things happened the way they did, a lot of those things are like the closure that you might never get. So having that closure was that validation that I never received growing up. It was huge for me. And, you know, not everyone gets that closure. So I'm like super grateful for that. And yeah, just the relationship we have now, I'm so grateful for because like I said, growing up, I... I could say that like as a kid, I used to like tell him like I hated him and stuff. And that's like really hard, I'm sure, for a parent to hear. And it's really hard for a kid to feel that way as well. So, you know, all this healing and stuff, I think he's seen the growth in me and, you know, has been more open to like talking about his as well. That's so cool too. like even just witnessing that ripple effect of you showing up for yourself and diving into it and seeing the ripple effect that it has and the impact it has on people around you is always such like a added blessing in that experience. It really is. So dive into we when we had talked, you know, before this interview, you were talking about how when you first started the work, obviously you jumped in and you had all of these triggers, but you were not doubling down on sort of exactly what you wanted to call in and were a little wishy-washy or a little confused with DIs. And how did you reframe and get really serious about what you wanted to navigate and how you wanted to do the DIs and all of that stuff? Yeah, so I think like for a lot of people I was seeing through like the Facebook group in the earlier part of my uh, TBM work and I was falling asleep a lot. Like I could not get through a whole DI without falling asleep and I tried sitting up and my head would be bobbing. I would fall asleep. I tried in the bath and I would still fall asleep. Like I think I just got into such a deep hypnotic state and such a deep meditative state. And, you know, this work is so exhausting energetically, mentally, emotionally. It's really exhausting. And like, we have to also like be sure to like give ourselves the grace that if you do fall asleep and stuff, or you don't remember what came up in your DI, like it's not the end of the world, your subconscious is still doing the work. So I was really hard on myself. And I was like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. This is so annoying. Like it's not even working. And I was just like getting very frustrated. And that's always kind of been my MO and like a pattern of mine is that like if I don't get something on the first try, I get very frustrated and I give up. And it's like definitely one of my flaws. And I know where it comes from and had clarity on that. And so when I get like that, I just try and reroute myself. And so I've always been like a very big writer. I always write a lot. I journal a lot all the time. And so I just started really... uh journaling with the prompts before and then I would journal I just tried getting to a deep relaxed state and then I would like keep my eyes like slightly open and I would kind of journal what well it started because I would go in and then if something really important came up like a pattern or some clarity around like a block or a test or whatever I would pause the DI and I would actually like slightly open my eyes not all the way and I would scribble down like whatever just came up And then I would go back into the DI. And then again, if something came up, I would just scribble it down and then go back into the DI. And then at the end, I would kind of just connect all the dots. And so I just kind of started doing it like that. And I'm still in the relaxed enough state that I still can go back, sink back in and like 
get back into the DI and follow what Lacey's saying in it and everything. And that just kind of really worked for me. I would just do that and then really journal. It was more about journaling for me than it was about, not that the DI didn't help because of course that's like what brought things up for me, but just the journaling aspect. Like I didn't have to sit still the whole time and listen to it and be like lying down or like sitting down listening to it. Writing for me was like a free flow of consciousness. And that's when even more stuff came to me as I'm like journaling. I'd be like, oh my God, that pattern comes from this part of my inner child. And now I know what actionable steps I need to take or whenever this comes up again, I knew where it was coming from. I think this, even just you giving permission for other people to do this is going to be so helpful and inspiring because so many people are like, I can't drop in or, you know, I'm falling asleep or how should I navigate? And it's so hard to try to give everyone their perfect solution because everyone has to kind of navigate something different and what's authentic to them and what feels right to them. But getting up and giving yourself permission to journal doing it. And maybe most of your downloads get loosened up while listening, but then it comes out in clarity on the paper or in a voice note or in, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different routes to utilize the tool and just giving people out there. I know this sounds so annoying, but there's no wrong way to do it. You just have to do it and keep seeing like, okay, does this work better for me? Is this more effective? Can I try this technique or this approach? Like just keep changing it because every single person is different. So make it work for you. It's a tool to work for you. You don't have to lay down with the pillows and drop in and do all of it there. Maybe your way of it having it work for you is doing the journaling. So I think that's so helpful and so expansive and probably a lot of people are going to try that technique after this. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. The DI's loosened it up. And then as I'm writing like this free flow of consciousness, everything just kind of came together. And my journal is a mess, obviously, because when you're writing like that, nothing really makes sense at first. But and also just like realizing that like, I had such a not a hard time in school, but I just learned different than everyone else. It's the same thing for this. Everyone learns different. Everyone retains information different. And so to know like there is no right or wrong way, which is probably annoying to everyone listening because I felt that way as well. I was like, what do you mean there's no right way? Like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not getting <laughs> anything. I'm not getting any downloads. And it's so frustrating when you want to like dive in and really like heal and, and do all these things. And it just feels like it's not working, but it's like giving yourself the grace. And then, like you said, like just trying different things and seeing what works. And for me, it was slipping in, something popped up. I would open my eyes, write it down, slip back in. It just worked for me. And I even tried going on walks in nature and like listening to the DIs and that didn't, that didn't work for me. So it's literally everything is different for everyone and how you learn is going to be different to each and every individual. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. 
But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. So when you started shifting and like allowing yourself to do the DIs in this way where you're journaling through them and finding it, what did you then shift your focus on in terms of manifesting? So when you, when did you write down that you wanted a storefront and like, how did you figure out that you wanted to get out of the plant store? That was the the bridge job you manifested. Um, I would say maybe halfway through. So maybe like six, seven months into it. I just was exhausted and I would come home and complain every day. And I mean, at that point, you have to know that you don't want to be doing that or that something needs to change. And I kind of felt hopeless, like there was no way out. And then like COVID happened. And I also got promoted within six months within this job. I got promoted to operations manager within the company. And that just made it even 10 times more toxic because he expected me to be on call 24-7. And so it would be my day off with May, my partner, and I would get a call from him and I would have to take it. And then it would like ruin my whole day off. And I like had to stop and like from letting that happen. And then just through my own journey through TBM and spiritually and everything, I really found a love for nature. And that's like one of my authentic codes is nature, anything nature, like just being outside or like sitting on my patio with my cup of tea in the morning, doing my DI on the patio just like I had to like be outside in some form of nature. And then I got really into plants because of working at the plant store and it became so grounding and it was a form of meditating for me, like spending the morning, misting them, watering them, trimming them, talking to them. And like, just like seeing something grow is like so exciting. And so then I started gardening. So it kind of just evolved like that, my love for nature. And I was losing it inside the store because I was so stressed that like my love for what I was doing was no longer there because my stress level when there was too high. So I started growing my own herbs like lavender, rosemary, things like that. I just knew I wanted to do something with like nature and I wanted to bring people closer to nature because there's such a disconnect in today that like we don't even realize how like we're surrounded by nature in so many different ways that we can tap into it to just better our daily lives and to just better ourselves. So like That's kind of how my idea for Oddity, my store started, and it just kind of kept developing. I started in the garage in San Francisco. I started like making my own smudge wands and bath soaks and things that I was sourcing only locally from local farmers or that I was growing myself. So it started like that. And then he kind of found out I tried to hide it and he kind of acted like he was happy for me. And I don't want to say he was and don't want to say he was, but 
I ended up wanting to take a step down and relaying that to a coworker of mine who ended up telling him. And so I got demoted, which was a blessing in disguise because it's actually what I wanted. And instead of giving me, you know, the same position I had before, which was a full time, he was like, well, I only have part time left for you. And I was like, okay, that's how you want to do me. That's absolutely fine. I'll take part time. I'll do my own thing on the side. And to me, it was the universe opening up an income portal and a space for me to really do my own craft. Otherwise, working full time, you always make all the excuses that you don't have enough time to do the things you love or do your hobbies and your side business, X, Y, Z. So I was like, this is a blessing in disguise. I get to work and have money, but I also get to have freedom, freedom of my time and so I kind of just leaned into that and then I ended up getting let go, which again was another blessing in disguise because I was able to go on an unemployment because it was during the pandemic and really perfect what I wanted to do, get more clarity around what I wanted to do. And then eight months being in Colorado, this manifestation of opening up my own store came in eight months. Wow. One thing I had to point out too, which I think is so important, the reframe of when these things are occurring. So Getting demoted could send someone to, you know, feeling like they're in a rut or rock bottom. Any place where you feel like the rugs pulled out from under you or you feel like I didn't make this decision. Someone else made it for me. This feels unfair. That oftentimes causes like a rock bottom feeling or moment. And it might have felt that for you. But I think the important part of navigating when things are pulled away from you, like in a job situation like this, for example, The universe is trying to tell you that this is not the right fit, that you have a path and a passion in a direction that is not aligned with this. So, so many times people will get demoted and then they'll be like, oh no, they're rejecting me. I need to latch on more and I need to figure out how to earn my way back and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so in some situations, maybe if you really weren't being your true self and maybe that's why you got demoted, potentially. But most of the time, it's a universe saying, hey, since you're not taking action to leave this situation, we're going to do it for you because we know that there is something else that you want that your soul's aligning with that is waiting for you to jump off this cliff. And since you're not doing it, we're going to nudge you along a little bit more. I'm just, I'm just smiling from like ear to ear because it's so true. And it was the same thing I think that happened when I got hit by a car, God forbid. Right. And I'm so happy. I'm okay. But it was the same thing. I was half and half out of the work. I wasn't fully into it. And it was like what Lacey says, like the universe like shakes things up, shakes things up and like forces you out of your comfort zone because you're too comfortable. And it's so easy to definitely like feel like that. But I think after I got let go, I left. I have never spoke to him since, but I called my partner and I like, I'm crying, telling her, and I just started laughing. And she's like, what's so funny? And I'm like, I'm just so like relieved. I'm so relieved I've been wanting to quit, but it was during the pandemic and, you know, everyone was struggling with finding a job. And here I was with that guilt, a guilt that like my partner hasn't worked for eight months and is dying of boredom and dying of like being at home and not being able to do anything. And here I am with a job and getting paid and having security and stability and complaining every day and not feeling like I could find another job because again, it was in the middle of a pandemic. And I just like was laughing. I like went, you know, I I rode my, I ride my bike to work in San Francisco. So I like rode my bike to get lunch and had lunch by myself and got myself a drink and just like enjoyed my company. It was just like, 
had such like a relief because I wanted to quit, but felt like I couldn't because I didn't have something else lined up and I didn't have my fuck you fund. So I felt like I couldn't responsibly leave, especially again in the middle of a pandemic and the universe just opened up that door for me. And I just thought it was so kismet that like I couldn't help but laugh. I was just like, thank you, universe. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, how you even said with the demotion, you were like, I wanted that. On some level, you're almost were manifesting that because you wanted the time for the thing that you were really passionate about and you wanted less time at this place you were not passionate about. And then it's like the universe is nurturing you on the way towards your job as well because in this beautifully kismet situation because you're fired you can go to unemployment whereas the other situation if you just quit you necessarily might not have been able to so how did you feel like you were navigating during that time were you trying to double down on trust were you trying to be present and in the flow like what were you leaning into during that Um, I was definitely leaning into faith and trust, really building my trust muscle. And it was really hard. I had a pre-planned vacation coming up uh, and a whole year of working for him. I never took more than like two days off. And so it was supposed to be like my first paid vacation and all this stuff. And then let me go right before that. So of course I didn't get paid out for the time I was supposed to. And I just kind of was just again, leaning into that trust and just also I got really into spirit animals and spirit numbers and angel numbers and all that kinds of stuff as like ways of knowing that like you're supported. And when you see things on a daily, you don't even recognize them, but they actually mean so much more. And I was seeing monarch butterflies a lot. And the meaning for those is basically like you're on the right path, you're supported and the universe has your back. And literally I was sitting outside with my boss when I got fired and a monarch butterfly flew like right by his head. Wow. And that's like why I like left laughing because I was just like, I know, I know I just have to trust. And, you know, it's not always like that. And people can say like, you know, like that doesn't really mean anything. And, you know, but that was something that really helped me in my journey was these little signs that like were telling me like that the universe is there, the universe is listening to me and that I am fully supported in everything that I want. And it was hard, but I just really leaned into building that trust muscle and phoning in on a lot of my different spiritual practices and really taking that time because I haven't had that time for myself. So I was just really taking that time to like be free and enjoy myself and know that like everything else was coming. And then we ended up moving like two months later anyway. I think too, when things get removed in a big way, like you're no longer working for a job or maybe you're fresh out of a breakup or there's a big move, you know, when things shift out of our lives in in such a massive way, especially if you're anxious attachment, there can be a feeling of, oh, no, 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 I have to hold on to this. And when you can really release it and remove it from your space, it clears up so much and you become so magnetic on the other side. Like rock bottoms is one of the most powerful times because you are taking up this thing that was holding so much space in your life that wasn't aligned with you. So once that's moved out of the way, it's like, cool, now we can fill it with things that you actually love and that are lighting you up. Yeah, and I think also just realizing that when you're stuck in anything, like you said, like it's a a breakup or a job or whatever, a, a, a friendship. And when those things are toxic or they're not aligned with you that you're actually vibrating at a really low frequency 
and your energy is probably really low all of the time. And that makes it really hard for you to manifest because your energy is just not in alignment with what you're calling in. So when that thing leaves, whether it be by force or by choice, you open up all that space like you're talking about for these other things to come in because you're no longer in that frequency anymore. Totally. And even just going back to like the neuroscience of it, when you are accepting poor behavior around you all the time, right? You in your mind think this is what I should settle for. This is what I'm worth. This is where your neural architecture is operating. You see this person, they react like this. It's not aligned with you, but you're like, oh, well, this is how things are. And then your brain sorts it as like, yep, this is how things are. This is how it is, blah, blah, blah. When you start putting a line in the sand and saying, I'm not dealing with this energy anymore. I need to set a boundary here. I don't want to work for this person. I need to manifest my way out of this. I don't want this dynamic in my life. It then creates new neural pathways. And the new neural pathways will be like, oh, actually, that's not normal anymore. Okay, cool. That's not the new normal. What's the new normal? Oh, people that treat us with respect and decency and all these things. Cool. Let's start, you know, interacting. And then your brain starts registering that as your new normal. You know, I totally agree on being in different frequencies, but the frequencies is really what your brain is comfortable surrounding itself with. And then it's like, oh, this is what it was comfortable with. And now we're at a different place that it's comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like more on, like you said, like a more like scientific neurological terms and apps like that's exactly what it is. So cool. So how from when you got out to Colorado, how long was it to the storefront and how what was your patterning in manifesting? Like, did you notice, okay, when I do this, this dynamic shows up or I'm definitely going to be tested on this subject before it comes through? I have to really make sure I'm unblocking there. Oh my God, I got, I got tested all the time. Not as much anymore, obviously, but still. So when we moved here, I was uh, going through like a very, like I was kind of in a rut. I was just kind of sick of like the spiritual community, the self-help community, because it's always like, how are you bettering yourself? And I was like, how about I just need rest? So it's like, I got really, really tired and I was just really over everything. I was vibrating like really low and I wasn't doing anything. I was just like letting myself be. So then I was like looking for jobs and I kept getting like scammed. It would say like marketing and advertising, which I have plenty of experience in with. I worked for Walmart on a contract, but like pretty big company. I felt like that would be like good on my resume. Yeah. And I was getting all these jobs that said like, you know, $80,000 a year starting, blah, blah, blah. It was perfect. You know, and I would get on my interviews and they'd be like, oh, it's commission based. And I'm like, what the hell? Why are people advertising like that, number one? That's so like false hope. Yes. And I was, I would do like five interviews a day sometimes, or, like even like five a week, which is energetically just so exhausting. And I got a job offer. I had two interviews and then they finally told me it was commission-based. And I was like, this is so not okay. They offered me the job. And I was like, no, the fact that you guys lied to me to get me here twice that's not a company I want to work for and no just no so I had to say no to that which was really scary because I had nothing lined up and me and my partner were living with my parents at the time trying to find our own place get jobs everything and I had to say no and I was looking for jobs looking for jobs and I couldn't find anything and I was also very um, hesitant to go back to the service industry just because I thought I was like above that And that was kind of a a block 
thinking that I was above that when I can have all the things I want in a job through the service industry if I wanted. So I went into this place and applied and I got the job on the spot for a restaurant just doing serving, but I had three shifts a week. That's it. So all this extra spare time and I was making enough money to pay all my bills, my rent and everything with just three shifts a week. So I wasn't working more than 30 hours ever a week. And so I was like, I have all the things I'm looking for within a job. It doesn't have to be a corporate job to have these things. So that's kind of what happened first. And I was being tested through all these other jobs and I was being tested if whether or not I was going to say yes to a job that just really wasn't in alignment because I was scared that something else wasn't going to come in. And I got the job at the restaurant uh, two weeks before me and May moved into our new apartment. I think that's such a powerful thing, too, is because so many people think on a ego sort of societal level, we put different importance in certain job roles and sections and titles of like what's valid and what's worthy and, you know, what's good enough. And I think so many times our ego is like, oh, I can't possibly do that because I'm above that X, Y and Z thing. That's why it's so important to get to your authentic code and to get authentic on what you're calling in because you have to be open to whatever opportunity the universe is throwing at you because if you write on your list that flexibility that amount of income low stress let's say at work don't be so close-minded that it can't be this thing that you're maybe was rejecting out of ego or whatever the block was around there too because you need to be open to however this thing's going to come through if it checks all of your boxes. Yeah, and I felt like I was taking a step backward by going back into the service industry. But what I did was kind of exactly what you're saying. I had this manifestation of wanting a job. I didn't want to work more than 30 hours. I wanted my free time to explore the new city that I moved to. I wanted to make enough money to have the apartment I wanted. And so I had to look at that list instead of just the title or a job that I wanted and be like, okay, it fits all these boxes. And it's my first time having a woman boss, a woman owner, a woman entrepreneur. And I was like, fuck yeah. How could I say no to this? That's amazing. So it was just all just like really meant to be. And same thing with manifesting our loft here. We were looking at one bedrooms. We really always wanted a loft, but it was a little bit out of our price range, quote unquote. And a one bedroom was around like 1900 a little bit. And then the loft was like 2180 or something. And so I was like, I told my partner, I was like, nope. I was like, unless you're willing to pay more money, I'm not doing it. And she was like, well, I've been doing that most of our relationship. I can't keep doing that either. And so I like was journaling again one night and I was like, no, you know what? What's $200 extra a month? Nothing. That's like me being really happy where I'm living and everything. And so I just kind of changed again, changed my mindset. And I was like, $200. If that means I pick up an extra shift at the restaurant once a week, or if I have to do Uber Eats once a month, to pay the extra 200 to live where I really want to live, then I'll do it. And I signed the lease for the loft with my partner again, without even having the job yet. And like everything just kind of fell into pace because I took that jump and I took that like cliff jump and that dive. And I was like, no, I'm going to, I deserve the loft. I want the loft and I know everything will work out. And again, what's $200 extra a month. It's kind of getting your, like you said, like your neurological, like, up to speed, like with where you are or want to be. Yes. Instead of being so fearful of like, no, I need to save that or I need that for security for the month or whatever it may be. It's saying, this is the thing that aligns with me authentically. Like having a space at home that I love, that brings me joy, that I'm excited to go back to 
and feels like it reflects my level of self-worth, like feels like I'm, I'm proud of it and I'm not like, oh, I settled for this place I don't like, is so important. So then you did the work to, A, feel trusting enough to get there, but then also having an action plan in place. It's not like you took a leap and paid for a more expensive apartment and you're like, oh, well, the universe will pay me back. (laughs) You were like, oh, here are some very practical solutions. I can work one more shift. I can do this. I can do that. Oh, great. Now I can see to believe that it's possible because I feel expanded enough. I feel unblocked enough and I'm passing the test. Yes, let's move forward. And boom, the apartment comes through. Yeah. And I didn't have to do any of those things. I didn't have to pick up an extra shift. I didn't have to like do Uber Eats or anything. I didn't have to do any of that, but it was just like, like you said, getting on board and like showing my like subconscious, I can do it. And there's ways to do it. And so how long after that did the storefront come through? I started working at the restaurant in March and I just opened up the store in August. So are you full-time at the store now? I am full-time at the store and then I, thank you, but I did keep the restaurant job as a safety net for now. And I also was doing like a remote job online for just like income portal. And so I like kind of stepped away from doing that as much as well. And I'm mostly in the store and I have a lot of things lined up like pop-ups and stuff this upcoming month. And I actually have to give away my restaurant shifts to be able to do the pop-ups, which is exactly what I wanted, right? I want to eventually leave my safety net and lean full into the company that I'm building. So it's super exciting. It's been really hard. And now that the manifestation of my shop is here and I own my own physical store, my own physical owner and entrepreneur, I have had a lot of limiting beliefs surrounding money and abundance come up. So I'm actually working through Unblock Money right now for like the third time. So I'm uh, working on that right now and I'm going to like finish that in full. How did the manifestation come through for the storefront? It was actually really funny. So I started just putting the feelers out there. I I realized I didn't want to do an online shop only. I really like being able to like connect with people on the daily. And I really wanted to build a space where we can have like a green space, right? So I do like indoor plants and earth centered goods that are like conscious consuming. And so I wanted a space where you can come to that felt like light and airy, but you could also do like meditations and sound baths and like yoga and like build a community because that's something I was searching for for so long in my like spiritual journey and I couldn't find it. So I wanted to build that for people. So I started looking at storefronts here and they're way cheaper than San Francisco. So (laughs) I went to see maybe, I mean, everything is right. So I went to go see like four or five different places and nothing was like a hell yes to me at all. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. And then one day I was just thinking how like this realtor I was working with never followed back up with me. And I was like, oh, like if he doesn't hit me up by like Monday, I'll follow up with him and see, you know, if he found any other spaces or anything. And lo and behold, I get a text from him like 15 minutes later. And he's like, hey, I think I found the perfect space for you. Let's set up a day to like view it. And so we did. And I went and viewed it. I loved it. It was a little bit out of my price range, but it had like the wood beam ceilings and big French doors. And it was just so cute, like exposed brick. And it was so cute. And I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. So he's like, okay, the business, the the landlord wants a business plan. And so I'm not very like good with those technicalities. So I was like, okay, I started working on a business plan every single day. And I was like reaching out to people I found online that are in the local Colorado Springs community that work for like the small business committee and stuff was emailing them just like asking like basic questions about like licensing and you know, all of that stuff. And one of them went 
invited me to get coffee. So I went to go get coffee, just really keeping myself open. And that's also the thing, like the universe bringing me this job or like this portal of the, the restaurant job. I had all the free time during the day to meet with people and to meet new people to open up this window for me. And so I just was doing things like that. I met this girl who was an herbalist that I met and then she introduced me to a friend. And so basically the store that I wanted, I finished my business plan, reached out to my realtor. He never got back to me, just never responded to my text message. I was like, hey, business plan is wrapping up. Let's meet next week with the business owner whenever he's available. And I just never heard back from him. I still to this day haven't heard back from him. Whoa. Yeah. And then I had this girl reach out to me on my birthday, weirdly enough. And she said she heard of me through a friend and she wanted to meet because she thinks our values align. And so I opened up the store with two other women. One of the women is a yoga facilitator and the other women is like a nutrition and dietitian. And so we opened up like a community space where we do yoga, we do workshops for like nutrition and hormone imbalance and dietitian and we do sound baths and then I do all like the upfront or centered apothecary stuff and so cool. Yeah, and we just like found each other and within a month of me meeting her, we opened up the store. So how did you get the spot if you couldn't get a hold of the realtor? This is a different spot that she knew someone and she wow. got. Yeah. So him kind of going off the radar and going ghost was exactly kind of what you needed. It was almost like that dropped off. It was expanding you and it dropped off to be like, don't follow this lead. Like something else is coming. Yeah. And it was also just like kind of like lit the fire under my ass, right? To get things going, to really like business plan, everything. And to know that I can do it too. And I was just like, yeah, I can fucking do this. And I was going to take out a loan and do all this myself. And I didn't take out any loans to open up my store. I have very little debt opening up my store, no more than 5,000. All very, again, like kismet things that fell into place. And the women I opened up with are like amazing. And it's just so crazy how it all happened. And like I said, I spent, I think I spent like the whole week after a grand opening, like crying every day because all those limiting beliefs are like really coming up and you know, not having anyone come into your store, not having this and feeling so unseen. And I just have been like working through those daily. So it's like, even when you get these manifestations, doesn't mean that the work is done. Totally. But what's so cool is if you look at all the steps you took between the restaurant job, I mean, from going from settling from the really toxic job in San Francisco to manifesting another bridge job in the restaurant industry to then opening your own storefront, you see the growth of self-worth and how you handled yourself in every single situation. And then also seeing, here's a perfect example of high self-worth. This is someone who was unblocking all of their limiting beliefs, facing them regularly, passing tests, taking action on a daily basis and finding expanders through that action. Obviously, that's going to yield into the manifestation. Like because you were in that trifecta of doing all of those things and the action piece is so important because so many people get hung up on, oh, I don't know who to reach out to or what to do. Just start taking steps. Just like you were like, I don't know how to do this business plan. This isn't my forte. This isn't what I'm good at. Instead of just sitting there and being like, okay, whatever, I can't do it. You were proactive. You're like, cool, who does it feel right to reach out to? Who do I have, especially in a new city? Having that confidence to put yourself out there in ways that might be uncomfortable are all examples of you being in high self-worth. 
Thank you. I mean, it took time getting here, but I think at the end of the day, it's those action steps that really make you realize your self-worth and that really actually align you with your highest self because you can talk and you can journal and you can do all the, the inner work, right? But the hardest part for me, at least, is putting it into action. And so when you do, it gives, it's empowering when you start putting it into action and you start to see your life kind of change. You're like, this is almost like addicting. And because you've gone through that and it manifested so many things along the way, as you have this huge manifestation come through and now you're almost working through like that up-level period where you're like, oh, wow, this came through and this is a big sort of identity shift and it's maybe shaking up, you know, some limiting beliefs I still need to look at and uncover. You can look back at your blueprint of how you navigated and took steps and up-leveled in the past and apply it to this new up-level that's happening now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we ever stop growing and stuff. So it's just something like the TBM work that I'll always be able to have with me as a tool to just help me get to where I want to be in life. And then one other thing I just loved, I love love and romantic stories. (laughs) So tell us about the engagement as well. Yeah, so I manifested my partner before I started the work and before I really knew what like manifesting was, but I would like sit with myself in the shower and I was so heartbroken over like this really toxic situationship that I was in for like on and off two years. And I would just like sit in the shower and like feel the feeling of what it felt like to be with someone that was like my best friend and my partner and everything. And so it's a really funny story. I actually met her while I was on another date with somebody we kind of just like instantaneously just like really were like attracted to each other. And like, really, she asked me out within like two weeks of us like dating, like casually to like, like be her girlfriend. And I was like, I'm not ready. I was like two weeks. That's like really quick. And then I went home, I went home for like the holidays and I just was home for like two weeks back in Florida. And then I realized that like, I like missed her a lot. And like, we were talking every day and you know, my dad told me, he was like, me and your mom met and got married in six months and they're still together. Wow. Yeah. Almost 30 years now. And he's like, so timing really doesn't mean anything. And I was kind of like, yeah, you're right. He's like, who, who cares how long you've known, known her? Like if you six months from now realize it's not the person you want to be with, then it's not the person you want to be with. But if you feel the person right now, then you should go for it. So supportive dad in that instance. Yeah. Yeah. So that just like felt really good. And it was very eye opening for me. And so when I got home, she was like, I'm not asking you out again. So she made me ask her out. And um, (laughs) through we've been together going on three years now. And she's just been very supportive of like my whole journey and, you know, supporting me on like, finding a career I want to do and just supporting me like financially because I'm like restarting my whole life and trying to figure out what I want to do. And she's like, go do it, go do everything you want to do. You know, I'm here for you in any capacity, whether that's emotionally, mentally, financially, if I can financially, even with my grand opening, like was just so hands-on with me. And she's very like talented and artistic, built my signs for me, painted like the store for me, just like was so hands-on and like so supportive and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and do a DI now. And she'd be like, okay, like, tell me when you're done. Like, I won't bug you. Just like little things like that, that like you take for granted sometimes. Just truly giving me the space to come into myself. She for sure knows who she is and like is so set in her ways and like in a good way, like know who she is and doesn't let anyone convince her otherwise. Whereas 
for me, I was reading back on my journals before our interview and I was like so confused about who I was and my journey with coming out and, you know, being queer and everything. And the past year, I've really just leaned into that. And I was like, who cares if I am? I don't care. And like, this is who I am. And like, I want to support the community. I want to be a part of the community. I want to like lift other individuals up for like their own coming out story. And yeah, she's just been like a huge rock in my life. And I hope I'm same for her. And so before we left San Francisco, because we were moving, she proposed to me and I was looking back again on my journals. And I was like, I want to be engaged to May before I'm 32. And here we are engaged. Yeah, and it was just really cute. She she proposed to me in the park where she asked me to be her girlfriend. And I said no. <laughs> and she was like, um, I hope you don't say no again. And she had like all set up with like candles on the walkway. And it was just like, it was just like very, very us, like nothing super flashy, but also just very like intimate. She had her good friends there that helped her set it all up. And it was in the middle of a pandemic. So it was just like really beautiful. And like, we're not rushing to get married or anything. But our relationship and, you know, it's hard. I don't think any relationship obviously is perfect. Communication is really hard for us sometimes. And just like being graceful with each other and showing each other compassion because we're constantly changing as individuals and growing as individuals and like relearning who we are. Right. And so relearning each other through that process as well. I love that. So exciting and so expansive and to even see how you guys grew together as you were navigating all these different chapters of yourself, as your self-worth is raising and you're discovering who you are. It's relearning, just like you're saying, each other as you're both growing, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, she has her dreams and what she wants to do with life. And I hope that at the end of the day, we can just be inspiration to each other to like go after what you want. And like if she sees me doing what I'm doing, that she knows that she can do it too. Absolutely. And one ending note, what is one thing you would tell someone who's struggling to navigate the work, who feels like, oh, I'm also stuck in a toxic situation, or I feel like I have victim mentality, like, where do I begin? How do I start? What sort of guidance and tools would you tell that person? I think you begin with giving yourself grace and not putting so much pressure on yourself to figure everything out because that's what I did. I was so in my head about everything that how can any clarity come in when you're not giving space for the clarity to come in because you're so like anxious about the outcome or the answers. So just giving yourself grace and like compassion and doing the work, but not like forcing anything either. If you're not feeling the work, then don't do it or try a different workshop. Yeah, you need to finish a workshop, right? But like you don't have to finish it in like that sitting. Maybe I'm doing unblock money, but then like you just said up level. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should like go tap in up level a little bit too and like see which one resonates with me more right now and like do that giving yourself grace. And like, if you're working on a workshop that's not really aligned with you in this moment, then like being like, okay, I'm not feeling this right now. Let me try something else. And just giving yourself like the space to get the clarity, because I feel like when you're so wound up and so focused on what the answer is, it's so hard to see the answer. Releasing that control too. Yeah. Surrendering. Yeah. Oh, love that. Thank you so much, Megan. This has been so expansive and I'm sure it will help so many people. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I appreciate you guys having me on and it means a lot. This is just another manifestation to check off the list. So 
I am so excited um, to have like talked to you and just to be able to share your story and to feel again seen in that kind of space and to hope that other people can get the answers or the expansion that they're looking for because the podcast and the supported helped me so much in expansion as well. So awesome to hear that. Thank you again. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this You'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.